Welcome back to Women's Wealth, The Middle Way, the show that answers your questions about work, money, and family. My name is Susan McGlory Michael, and I am the CEO and founder of Glen Eagle, a wealth management firm in New Jersey. My name is Carol Ann Fernandez, and I'm the COO of Glen Eagle. We're excited today to have our guest, Dr. Jade Wu, joining us, a board-certified sleep psychologist, researcher, and speaker. Her research focuses on improving sleep in people with chronic physical or mental health conditions. She's the author of Hello Sleep, where she provides a step-by-step roadmap to overcoming insomnia without using medication. Welcome, Jade. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. I thought it'd be interesting. This sounds like a great topic to start off with you sharing some of your background with our listeners. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and I specialize in behavioral sleep medicine because everywhere that I was looking in the earlier stage of my career, when I was doing anxiety research, Parkinson's research, depression research, everywhere I looked, sleep was one of the common denominators and sleep problems specifically. So I thought that even if we can improve sleep a little bit for everybody, that would raise the water for all boats. It would just make society all around healthier. So now I focus on helping people sleep better without medication. I think we all know that sleep is a very important part of our lives, even though we don't always get as much as we should. What are some mm-hmm. things you can share about what you've learned through your research? Like how much sleep do we actually need? And What happens if we don't get enough of it and things like that? So we know that sleep is important, as you said, and we know it's important because of how much time we naturally spend doing it, right? If you think about it, if you live to 99, you'll have spent 33 years consecutively, like total, (laughs) either sleeping or trying to sleep. Now, wow, I've never put it in in those terms. (laughs) Isn't that kind of mind boggling? And if you think about it, sleeping is a pretty vulnerable state. Unconscious, we're belly up. Our early human ancestors would have been open to predation. So evolutionarily speaking, for us to be devoting this much time to such a risky activity means that it has to be really important. And it is. Now we know from lots of research that not getting good quality sleep or not getting enough sleep means that we compromise our health our physical, mental health, our emotional health, even our relationships. And it just makes everything a little bit harder to do when we're not well-rested. We also know that sleeping well um, can be really beneficial to everything we do in our work, in our family life. For women, (laughs) we go through so many hormonal changes too, and we have so many different types of responsibilities. We juggle, we multitask, we take on lots of important roles in our families and in in society. Women really, really do need to prioritize sleep. And I've worked with lots of women who have put everything and everyone else before their own sleep, and they really paid the price for it over time. So yeah, I would say these are some important things to keep in mind for your listeners. Yeah, that's interesting. Are women more prone to things like insomnia or sleep issues? Have you seen any research on that at all? Yeah, so women are a time and a half as likely as men to get insomnia. And there are a few reasons for that. I think one is, like I said, we have more hormonal upheavals. So starting at puberty, females are more likely to have sleep issues than males because of these fluctuations during puberty, during pregnancy, postpartum, menopause. And another reason I think is that 
socially, women are expected to take on roles that involve more 24-7 care or thought or multitasking. Lots of my women patients are lying awake at night thinking about, okay, so-and-so needs a new pair of shoes, and so-and-so needs their lunch packed, and oh, I forgot to schedule that appointment for so-and-so. We take on the type of role in our families and in society where we have so many tabs open in our brains. We juggle so many different things, and it's the kind of thing that keeps us awake and our minds racing at night. So I can't tell you how many female patients I have who are so mad at their male partners that they can just fall asleep at the drop of a hat while they're over here still like churning, churning in their mind. That's so funny that you should say that. I have an eight-month-old and as soon as she cries, I'm, I'm wide awake and my husband could sleep through it, no problem. So sometimes I guess <laughs> I have an eight-month-old too. Yes, oh, wow. I know exactly I what you mean. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, right now we're both still hypervigilant, right? We're still more attuned yeah. to our babies. We're probably thinking about more baby care categories and tasks and things than our partners. And it's just the way we're socialized. It's just the way we're wired biologically. And our bodies have been through a lot too. So adding all of that together, of course, our sleep is still um, more vulnerable to disruption. So we always hear this term sleep hygiene. What is that? And what should we be doing about it? <laughs> Yeah. So when it comes to sleep hygiene, usually you'll probably see a list of do's and don'ts. Things like don't drink caffeine too late in the day. Don't eat too heavy of a meal. Don't exercise too close to bedtime. Don't use screens at night and things like that. And so the tricky thing about sleep hygiene is that it can be a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it could be really helpful for people to mind their sleep hygiene and to generally have good sleep habits, and that prevents sleep problems from happening. It helps you have generally good sleep. But if you already struggle with things like insomnia or just general difficulty falling or staying asleep, then paying too much attention to sleep hygiene might actually backfire. I can't tell you how many patients I have who come in and say, oh my gosh, I have impeccable sleep hygiene. I'm absolutely perfect with my sleep habits and I still can't sleep well. And I'm saying, I'm thinking that perfection is probably what's keeping, holding you back because when we are too rigid with our rules and we place too much pressure on sleeping perfectly or behaving perfectly around sleep, then we end up shining a big spotlight on any moment we can't sleep and putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to fall asleep quickly, and that drives sleep away. I like to think of sleep as your shy friend, your loyal but shy friend. She's been with you a very long time. She takes really good care of you, but sometimes she doesn't want to hang out exactly when you want to hang out. And if you are really overbearing during those times, and you hunt her down, and you yell at her, and you tell her that she really should hang out with you right now, then she's going to run either, even further away from you. So let's not scare sleep away. Let's not be overbearing. Let's go with the flow, listen to our bodies, give ourselves enough opportunity to sleep well, and build generally good sleep habits and sleep environments, but not sweat the occasional bad night or the occasional difficulty falling asleep. That's a, that's a great way of thinking about it. I've never put it in those terms, but thinking about <laughs> it like a friend is, is a great way to kind of force yourself to not get so angry when you're not falling asleep. 
Exactly. Yeah. Because that anger, that resentment, that frustration, or the anxiety, I mean, when was the last time those emotions helped you feel relaxed and sleepy, right? Yeah. So just shooting ourselves in the foot when we get too hung up on getting to sleep right away or sleeping exactly the way that we used to sleep or sleeping the way that we think we should sleep. So I guess that's a great way to then get to our last question here, which is, what advice would you give to our listeners who struggle to quiet their mind? I mean, I know you mentioned don't try not to get anxiety, but are there some things that maybe you could suggest to help them with falling asleep? When it comes to the quieting your mind piece, I'd like to think of the tips in falling to three buckets. One is what you're doing during the day. One is what you're doing leading up to bedtime. And one is what you're doing when you're in the moment having trouble falling asleep and your mind is racing. So I'll just give sort of one major tip from each of these buckets if that's okay. During the day, we tend to not think about this as an important time for having good sleep health because we're not sleeping and we're not supposed to be sleeping. But during the day, if we're too stressed, if we're too hectic, if we're running from thing to thing to thing without resting in between, then we actually set ourselves up for being hyper aroused. Hyper aroused just means our bodies and our minds are in overdrive, are too revved up. And again, if we think evolutionarily speaking, if you're <laughs> running, running, running all day, well, the only reason you would be doing that is if there's a saber tooth tiger on your tail chasing you, right? <laughs> so in that case, of course you're not going to fall asleep at night because that tiger is still probably just around the corner. So tell your body, tell your brain that it is actually safe. It's okay to relax by building in breaks during your day where you can take a few deep breaths, where you can let your mind settle, where you can regroup with yourself and get grounded and get to a point where you know what what still needs to be done tomorrow, but you put those things down and what you still do need to worry about, but you know, think about a way to worry about that in the future that's going to be productive, where you close the chapter on the day. So that leads me to the second bucket, which is what you're doing leading up to bedtime. So we really do want to build a buffer zone when we're switching between the busy, busy doing day to your relaxing being night. So switching from doing to being. That's easier said than done because we can't just turn off, especially I think for professional women who are juggling lots of different domains and tasks in their life. So we really do need to prioritize at least half an hour, better yet an hour leading up to bedtime where you really truly have put away work. Like you're not still checking email and answering one last request where you're not still planning finances in your head as you're brushing your teeth. I mean, truly, like, give yourself a very clear signal for, okay, the doing day is over. I am now switching gears. And that can be like a physical signal, like a literal chime on your phone or the lights dim or you close your laptop with that satisfying thump, whatever you need to do as a ritual to really signal to your body and brain that you want to switch gears to simply being. And during that being mode. You're just getting in touch with your body and your feelings. You're kind of doing your your hygiene rituals. You're asking your body how it feels. You're doing some mindfulness meditation. Even as you're brushing your teeth, you can do it mindfully by paying attention to your body. And by the end of this wind down, you should be more ready to receive sleep, your friend. 
But sometimes, and this leads me to the third bucket, you just have an extra exciting day or you have a big thing coming up or you're just frazzled and your brain does have a harder time settling down and sleep is not really ready to come hang out with you yet. And that's okay. Occasionally that happening or even that happening often during a period in your life is not abnormal. In these instances, I would say be compassionate and kind with yourself. Don't get mad at yourself for not falling asleep or having racing mind. Don't try too hard to push the thoughts out of your mind because the harder you push them, the harder they push back. So I like to say, get out of your head and into your body. So instead of pushing the thoughts out of your head, you leave them there, let them be there, but you bring your attention down to your body. Start with your toes, ask how your toes are doing, feel how they feel, and very non-judgmentally kind of walk your attention through from your toes to your foot, to your ankle, to your calves, and up your body, slowly, leisurely, non-judgmentally, and just get in touch. And if that doesn't seem to quiet things down, that's okay. That's your cue to get out of bed or at least sit up in bed and turn on the light and do some reading, watch a TV show, just distract yourself a little bit. The whole point of doing all of this is to get out of the mode of trying too hard to fall asleep. Because the harder you try, again, you're being overbearing, the harder you try, the more you push your friend's sleep away. So if we just lay back and do our own thing and enjoy that extra me time, do something pleasurable and, and relaxing that you usually don't get time to do, eventually you will get sleepy and your friend's sleep will come back and want to hang out with you. That's great. Thank you. That's such great advice. And thanks for being so detailed about it. I think sure. a lot of our listeners will be sleeping very well tonight after. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This is great and really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. And thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Women's Wealth, The Middle Way. Make sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday. See you in two weeks.